This is our fifth and final session on 1 Thessalonians 3, 11-13. And I simply want to raise in our attention and affection the, the coming of the Lord Jesus. That is, the second coming. It is not prominent as much today as it was, I think, in Paul's mind. And so it would be good to just ponder for a moment how prominent this reality is in First Thessalonians. And may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints or holy ones. Father, I pray that you would make the second coming of Christ the second coming of your Son, to be more prominent in our thoughts and in our affections and our expectations than it ordinarily is for many people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just do a survey. It's referred to in First Thessalonians five times. So five times in this short book, Starting here, we wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So Jesus will deliver us when he comes from heaven. There will be a great judgment at that day, as we'll see as we study the second coming in these letters. But there's the first reference to it. We are waiting for Jesus to return from heaven, and when he returns, he will save us from the wrath of God. Chapter 2, verse 19. What is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? And now we know from our text in chapter 3, that his, his hope and his joy and his crown of boasting, which is the Thessalonians, is the Thessalonians made holy by love. Hence the writing of this letter. They will be his hope, they will be his joy, they will be his crown, not if they show up unholy and unloving, but rather full of love, established in love, increasing and abounding in love and established in holiness, then they will be his hope and joy and crown. And then comes our text here in chapter 3 as the third reference, the coming of our Lord Jesus, and then comes the great section in chapter 4. Here's part of it. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. Remember chapter 1, verse 10? We are waiting for him from heaven. 
descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ. So all Christians who have died will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. I'm looking forward to talking about that with you. And then finally comes chapter 5, the fifth reference. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may you, your whole soul, your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, it is a prominent reality in the mind of Paul and in this letter, and I'm simply commending in this last session on this unit, oh, may it be more prominent in our thinking and in our affections and in our expectations. Maybe one other thing to observe in this verse, namely, what does this mean? The way it's translated here, it it means Christians. So when the Lord Jesus comes from heaven, he will bring with him all the saints, that is, Old Testament and New Testament, born-again people who died in faith, went to heaven, and are now being brought back and reunited at the resurrection with their bodies. But this phrase, the holy ones, might refer to angels instead of saints, or perhaps most likely both. But just be aware from chapter 1 in 2 Thessalonians, he will grant relief to you that are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In other words, the holy ones might refer to these angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his holy ones. Same phrase as here in our text, the holy ones of him. And here, the holy ones of him. And this probably refers to the saints, the Christians. He comes to be glorified in his saints, and then he describes them another way, and to be marveled at in all who have believed because our testimony among you is believed. So what shall we say? Here's what I want to end on. I don't know which is referred to here. My guess is it's both. Both are true. You wouldn't be making any mistake if you said the saints are coming with him, the Christians are coming with him from heaven, and if you said the angels are coming with him from heaven, both of those statements would be true. But here's what I want to end on. Pray that your love would increase and abound for other believers and for unbelievers 
so that you may be established blameless in holiness because you're going to meet holy ones. I can't help but think that Paul means for us to notice the connection between holiness and holy ones. This is the same stem. And if somebody were reading this in Greek, they would hear this word, hagiosune and hagion, and they would say, oh, he's summoning us to be established in holiness because we're going to join holy ones. Heaven is a world of holiness, and only holy ones come from heaven, only holy ones go to heaven. That's the note I think Paul strikes here at the end. Therefore, this amazing logic, abound in love, to be established in holiness, to meet the holy ones with the Lord Jesus. I just think we should pray this over and over again. Oh God, do this. Make that happen. Make us increase and abound in love so that we will be blameless in holiness when the Holy Ones come with the Holy Lord Jesus.